0: Now, as um, some of you know, uh, I've moved into a new place. I've shown you some of it and the moving process or in the comic books and whatnot. And um, I've shown you some of the plants that we have, but um, there's a fair bit of variety of plants that we have that I haven't shown you, which is on the on the premises of the property, um, sort of the place that we're renting. We're renting, unfortunately we're not owning uh, the space, but uh, we're renting long-term. And uh, the place we moved into, they have a lot of trees, a lot of different fruit trees, um, and just edibles, medicinal plants in the yard. Uh, one of them was a fig tree that we've already harvested some figs, That's some delicious figs, rosemary and whatnot. But one, uh, tree that's on the plant uh, on the premises is an elderberry tree and we just harvested some elderberries and let me show you this and this is from the yard right so we took this from the yard and um, what we're gonna do with this is uh, uh, make liqueur I um, sort of uh, uh, every year during the summertime you know there's this little bit of harvest whatever we end up harvesting in a neighborhood or we buy or uh, we grow uh, we take a little bit of that and we make liqueurs and one of the ones I've made uh, that I'm sipping on right now is uh, a lemon liqueur that we made which is absolutely amazing and this thing uh, the liqueur for this is uh, I've had it for about 10 years i cut up a whole bunch of lemons organic lemons at one time where i bought them and uh, ended up uh, uh, doing um, just buying some vodka and i usually make my liqueurs with vodka vodka and sugar and putting it all into a jar and putting the vodka on top and you just let it i don't know what the word for it is but basically builds up right it uh, over the years gets stronger and stronger and stronger one way i like drinking it i crush up ice and just pour the liqueur directly on top and you just sip this for for a long time and that's what we're gonna do right now we're gonna uh, prep the elderberries to make some liqueur so basically and they're very uh, fragile the elderberries okay they're little guys and i'll show you Uh, so i'm gonna take the elderberries from here and just put them in a glass jar that we have right and then later on we're going to take you know just give them a quick wash and take these mix it with sugar pour some vodka on top and close the close the container um the jar that you know we have a whole bunch of jars we're going to put it in there and uh let it cure i guess for um uh, you know a while for months or years actually uh these lemon this lemon liqueur that I have is for years i've got blackberry and, um from the crab apples, I didn't make any crab apple liqueur, but I uh, did uh, make some blackberry and um, blueberry uh, jam as well after making the crab crab apple paste. So uh, I made liqueur out of that as well. Okay, and um, while we're doing this, uh, I thought. Um, I'd answer a question that came my way or a request that came my way. Um, it came twice. I'm not sure if the same person or uh, two different people. Um, but thank you for the request um, uh, because you know I'm making this video. I'm going to talk about this a little bit because it's something that I love, which is uh, you know the request for the video was um, uh, you know, talk about being a geophysicist. Uh, Because for about 10 years uh, during the 1990s, um, I functioned as a geophysicist. My main gig was a a geophysicist. Uh, I got my degree as a geophysicist uh, with a minor in mathematics. Um, And I worked in the field for about 10 years, uh, traveling across Canada, the United States, some some parts of the United States, but all over Canada. And it was amazing and I loved it. so one person specifically that I remember uh, said that they were, you know, thinking about becoming a geophysicist or were going to become a geophysicist and they wanted to know what it was like. So, um, you know, let's just talk about that a little bit. I'll happily talk to you about, ge- uh, you know, anything to do with geophysics because I love it. Um, it's amazing. And I thought it was, uh, you know, by luck and by some po- personal choices, I ended up uh, becoming Um you know getting this education and working in the field okay um so I'm gonna clean out elderberries and I'll uh, I'm not sure where we're gonna go with this um I do want to tell you how I got into it because it's related to education um and here's the there's the elderberries right super cool and you can eat them okay and they taste okay but they're not strong flavored and um, I read up online the family the elderberries come from. Uh, I didn't know this. I read the toxicology part of it, and it said that, uh, like a lot of different fruits, uh, some fruits like apples, apple seeds contain, um, I believe, cyanide. So if you eat a lot of apple seeds, uh, you know you'll get sick. And from what I understand, from what you know, I haven't followed this up, but uh, from what uh, the little write-up said. Uh, These things, right, contain a little bit of cyanide, so it's not a good idea to eat a lot of these, I guess. Uh, So what we're going to do is we are going to make liqueur from this. I'm not sure if this is these types of elderberries um, also uh, fit into that category. And some of these branches, it was sort of mid-season or end-season. Some of the little branches only have a little bit, and there are some here that, you know, they're very full. Um, so, supposedly, you're supposed to cook these uh, if you're going to eat them, cook them a little bit uh, to you know make them uh, not so toxic. Uh, but we're going to make liqueur from them, and you know, there are recipes online of how to make, make liqueur. And what we're going to do is uh, basically uh, take vodka and take sugar and put it, put these things in a jar, wash them, put them in a jar, and put the sugar on top and pour the vodka over top of that and let it sit there, right? So let me, you know, let me uh, tell you how I got into geophysics, okay? i take a look at these things. This is beautiful. Like, they're beautiful, shiny black. Um, so while we're doing this, let me tell you i got into studying geophysics and it was just by luck i just happened to take a course in high school uh, where the teacher was amazing and it's basically the reason i got into doing geophysics was because of this teacher and a few years after that um, after doing geophysics 10 12 years after that uh, i ran into the teacher and i told him uh, uh, that he inspired me to take get into geophysics and i thanked him for it um and it was a pretty cool cool moment actually being able to thank someone who guided you in a certain direction that paid off right uh but basically i was taking uh, an earth science course earth science 11 at high school um and as far as i'm concerned earth science uh, should be a mandatory course in high school it teaches us about uh, you know the home that we live in right planet earth uh, and I learned a lot, and I used a lot of that stuff uh, in the real world, like weather patterns and learning about the geography of the earth, where I was, and what I could expect. There was a lot to it, right? So it was a fantastic course, and uh, the teacher was teaching, uh, you know, the follow-up to earth science was geology, uh, geology in grade 12. So because I liked the teacher, uh, I took the geology course as well. and. Um, you know i was into sciences so um, i was already full load sciences with chemistry mathematics and physics uh, 12. Um, but i ended up taking geology as well because uh, because of this teacher and during the process uh, during the year uh, this teacher you know we looked at geology Ge- earth science was more general about meteorology astronomy the astronomy stuff was amazing for earth science um, but geology more was more more focused on earth formations rocks and minerals and um, to a certain degree how things formed right and uh, during the year I can't remember if it was the middle beginning or when it was but basically the topic of uh, Geophysics came up, the word geophysics came up and I you know it didn't really ring to me um, too much at the beginning because I hadn't heard the word geophysics too much, but it interests me because I was taking physics at the same time. I like mathematics or let me rephrase I had a very I've never really had a good math teacher, so I just knew mathematics was important to learn. so I gave it weight, I gave it interest right um so geophysics was intriguing to me and i remember in class um you know the teacher was asking was not asking was talking about geology and geophysics and stuff like this and you know jumping between the two words and i you know we're in high school i was in grade 12 i didn't know really what the difference was so i raised my hand and i asked the teacher you know what's the difference between a geophysicist and a geologist And I can't remember if he gave an intricate (laughs) explanation or just what I remember, but the thing that I remember where what he said was the difference between a geologist and a geophysicist is a geologist knows where oil should be and a geophysicist knows how to find it. That's what stuck with me. I don't know if he... talked about it and for five minutes ten minutes half an hour or you just said that and that was it but that's what I remem- remember that's what I retained and for me it was more important to be able to do something than to know how to do something so early on I lucked out and decided to pursue geophysics so when I went to university first year of university I signed up um, For the geophysics program, okay. Now I signed up for the geophysics program at a university, uh, where the geophysics was uh, very theoretical. Uh, So I remember, you know, it was a combined. When you signed up for the geophysics program, was a combined course. You, um, I believe, the first semester you took geology, and the second semester you took geophysics, or vice versa. Um, but I did the uh, the Geology part. I remember doing the Geology part. It was very similar to Geology 12, so it was really easy um, because I like, guess a lot of people hadn't taken Geology 12 or didn't have the opportunity to take Geology 12. Um, and I remember taking the Geophysics course, the Geophysics segment, and it was okay. It intrigued me. There was, there was a lot to it. Um, there weren't too many people taking the course. Here's another one that's like pretty fuller right nice Uh, there weren't too many people in the class so it wasn't one of the big auditoriums where you're taking calculus uh, or chemistry or physics first year where you know you're sitting in a room with two three hundred people right this was maybe like a high school class size 20 people 25 people 15 people but I remember the course required us to uh, memorize a lot memorize a lot of formulas and. There was a lot of proofs involved in the course where I remember one of the proofs we had to do, we basically had to regurgitate three pages, right? There was three pages of proving a formula that we basically had to memorize because no one really understood what we were doing. It was just monkey see, monkey do. Um, And we will go through the hoops and just, it was ridiculous. I, I didn't like it. I thought it was useless and it was useless because i didn't understand what the formulas represented i understood some of them but a lot of them they would say you know if you've ever done proofs of anything you you know there's a concept you're trying to prove you start with one equation on one side and another equation on the other side and you bring in other equations and uh, you know left side right side and you know you do substitutions, eliminations, and put things in and combine equations and at the end, hopefully you get the left side equal on the right side, so you prove that this thing existed uh, you know there's a lot of assumptions in the process, so it was uh, it just didn't make sense to me to memorize this thing without knowing what was happening so after finishing my first year um, university and I wasn't really into it so. Um, I didn't do well in the, f- in the calculus I failed first year calculus right I wasn't I barely went to class and I thought I could cram and I couldn't cram um, I failed first year English but I did really well in what i what I liked in the geology and geophysics uh, right I got you know A's in the geo- geology and I believe a in the geophysics right so after the first year I sort of took a break uh, I took some other courses just to see what you know business and arts was like and I worked a little bit and made a little bit of money and traveled a little bit and then I went into geophysics again at a different university uh, not through the physics department but through the earth science department because earth science was the course really that I felt was one of the most important courses I took in high school so I took geophysics from the earth science department and we ended up doing a lot of geology, but there was a lot of geophysics involved as well. Uh, some mathematics, some, uh, some physics, right? Not a lot, it was a very hands-on program. Um, the first place I took, uh, just, you know, I know the questions are gonna be coming, so might as well preemptively answer these. Um, the first year I went to uh, university, I went to UBC, that's where I took it for a year and then took a year off. So at UBC, uh, back in the late 1980s, it was very, you know, through the physics department, it was very theoretical. And then I went to Waterloo, University of Waterloo, in the late 1980s, and uh, I went through the earth science department, right? So we ended up doing a lot of geology, a lot of environmental work, a lot of hydrogeology, a lot of geophysics, some mathematics, some statistics, uh, some physics. Right. It was it wasn't as math and physics heavy as I would as I had liked. Um, So what I ended up doing was uh, I uh, um, I did some extra work to get my minor in mathematics. Okay. so I took some extra courses and ended up getting uh, a geophysics degree, earth science from the earth science department, geophysics degree with a minor in mathematics. And I worked my ass off for that minor okay i really did it was uh, i had to take some serious courses that i didn't have the prerequisites for that i had to learn on my own and stuff like this Um, and as far as i know um, i was the first person uh, from the earth science department to get a major in geophysics with a minor in mathematics Um, i'm not sure if that's true i remember from the at the time i looked at into it and since the program had been introduced uh, I think it was like 10 years or something the program was. I was the first person to do this, which was pretty cool. And one of the reasons I really worked my ass off to do this because I thought it sounded amazing, right? Geophysics degree with minor in mathematics. <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, I liked the way that uh, that flowed and I liked mathematics. I knew it was powerful. I knew I wanted to take some more mathematics courses. Uh, so that's what I ended up doing. Now, Quickly on, uh, into my geophysics education uh, at Waterloo, at the university where I went into it from the earth science department, Uh, I decided that I wanted to do environmental geophysics. So the oil thing, even at high school when my teacher said geophysicists know how to find oil, geologists know where oil should be found. I wasn't really interested in oil oil didn't really pique my interest i just thought that was cool to be able to know how to do something Um, in university i quickly decided that i wanted to get into environmental geophysics so i really focused on the environmental part of it hydrogeology um, and environmental geophysics um, back in the late 1980s early 1990s um, it was fairly small. There wasn't too many people in it. Uh, and I was lucky enough, I was in a co op program. Uh, I was lucky enough for my second work term. Uh, I ended up working for an environmental geophysics company. And I learned a lot there. Uh, just learned more in the semester of working that I did regarding environmental geophysics in a couple of years of studying, right? Uh, so I learned a lot. And um, did, right away, I decided I wanted to go into that field, right? this is so much we got so far. Um, so, I decided to become an environmental geophysicist, and uh, you know I did some more some work in other fields as well. And you know, obviously, you have to do some geotech uh, geotech stuff and some exploration stuff, some labs, all that stuff. got exposed to a lot uh but coming out uh, i didn't plan on going anywhere else other than environmental um and uh, the way i ended up getting my um, first gig major gig out of university um, that basically is the company i worked for for the next 10 years 9 10 years doing environmental geophysics Um, the way I ended up getting that job was through um, running into someone, uh, one of my mentors. Uh, Mark, if by chance you see this, thank you. Um, you taught me a lot. Uh, so, um, let me have a drink. So basically, Basically, happened was when I finished my last exam of my four-five year degree of pretty heavy, heavy program of learning geophysics, getting my major in geophysics and writing multiple math exams and taking multiple math courses to get my minor in mathematics. The last exam I wrote uh, of my university career, okay. I had a big grin on my face walking out of there uh, because I knew I was done right Uh, sleeve-deprived making my way back to uh, the residence I was staying in and flying out the next day right so I'm walking back to my residence and in the parking lot I run into my mentor, one of my mentors, lifetime mentors really, through work, through everything really. Ran into him. Okay. That I had work with in um, in a previous co-op term in a semester, right? I had worked with him. And I ran into him in a parking lot, big grin on my face, and uh he turned to me and said, uh, Well, Chicho, for you, right? Chicho, what are you doing? I said, oh, I just finished my last exam. I'm heading back to your apartment, pack up my thing, Speedy Gonzalez style, and uh, I'm flying out tomorrow. And he goes, No, 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 no. Um, I, I need you. And, you know, I asked him what he meant. He says, Look, he says, You finished. What did you get? You get geophysics. You know you got your degree i got my degree i'm 100 sure i got my degree and he said okay give me your resume you're hired and i was like no you don't understand i wasn't i just finished the hardcore program i wasn't into going into uh, starting work right away i needed a break and i told him this and he said no you don't understand just give me your resume and you know you're hired and i said look i don't even have a resume and i didn't i <laughs> finished my my exam and I just wanted out Right? I wanted a break so I hadn't even made a resume I said look just he goes just go put something together give it to me you're hired whenever you want you can start Uh, I couldn't turn that down right so I went uh, I went to my apartment and you know and at the time you know access to computers wasn't as uh, as you know no one had easily easy access to computers the way we do now right home computers they were expensive extremely expensive especially for a student right so you had to get computer accounts at university and stuff like this and a lot of labs were closed so basically what I ended up doing was uh, going to at the time uh, uh, like a local place uh, in a strip mall at the university where you know, they had access to computers and, you know, software, computers of like two, 286, 386, like really old school Pentiums or whatever they were. I don't think Pentiums were out then. Um, so I put together a really ridiculous resume with typos in it and I dropped it off for him and I took off. And he tracked me down uh, and I was in Waterloo. That's where. you know I was going to school Waterloo Ontario south of Toronto right so um, I I had found my way it was a couple of months later I was in California at the time um, in San Diego uh, or near San Diego Uh, actually Los Angeles I was in Los Angeles Uh, no actually it was in uh, San Francisco sorry I was in San Francisco um, I believe uh, it was in San Francisco LA and he tracked me down and, um, and I called him back you know he sent out a message through family and uh, I called him back and I said hey what's going on and he said where are you and I told him I was in uh, California you know I think Los Angeles maybe I said I was in Los Angeles and he said what are you doing there I need you here which was Ontario Right, check out the bee hovering the uh, elderberries. Right. That's cool there. So um he said, I need you here. I go, when do you need me there? He goes, I needed you the next day after you gave me your resume. (laughs) I was like dude, okay, um I'll be there as soon as I can. He goes, Look, be here by next week at least. I go okay I'll try to be there so what I ended up doing is uh, you know my funds were limited right Uh, so I ended up catching a bus uh, midnight bus graveyard 18-hour bus ride on the Greyhound um, all the way to Vancouver BC Canada um, from California and then from there um, I caught a plane to Ontario and I worked as a geophysicist and what had happened is um, Um, he was working, um, he had got a position for one of the largest uh, geotechnical companies in the world, international. And he had started the geophysics branch of this company. He was a solo guy, uh, specifically environmental related, right? Uh, And in Canada, he was the only one working as a geophysicist for this company. And this company has multiple branches across Canada across the United States across the world Australia New Zealand all over the place thousands of employees right so he had started on a satellite office uh, one more one man solo operation trying to sell the idea that environmental geophysics had a place in this conglomerate multinational geotechnical company right that they could bring in the revenues and uh, that was what i wanted to get into it was ideal it's by luck by circumstance by, and by you know working with him and he knew what i was capable of and um and usually when i take on a project as maybe if you know uh, i've learned to really focus on something on a specific thing and i work my ass off uh, when i work with them as in during the co-op term where I worked with him in a different company. So he trusted me and he had mentored me, right? So for four months, I learned from him how to be a geophysicist, right? So he molded me and he knew what I was capable of. And by luck, we ran into each other at the right time for both of us because he had just gone into his company trying to sell geophysics. So just to make you know, just to make it shown that this is a viable uh, option, program that this company should offer, and uh, he needed my help, right? He needed he needed me to be there to do uh, a lot of the grunt work, uh, and so he could, you know, and he could dump a project on me and you know make sure that I would put my heart and soul into it uh and he knew what i wanted to get into so i hooked up with him and we started working as um, together you know he was he was my boss and he had bosses uh, but he was really the one i had to answer to and he was a hard ass he was a hard ass and i was cocky and i thought i knew a lot Uh, uh, because i can honestly tell you i've geophysics if you're thinking about going into it and if you are into it uh, it's uh, uh, you know and there's different geophysics of, uh, there's different types of geophysicists you can be okay like there's different different areas in geophysics you can go to just like anything any any umbrella that has you know it's fairly large umbrella that uh, you can approach it in different ways right you can be theoretical geophysicists. you can you can work as an astronomer right you can go into meteorology you can go into exploration you can go into oil resource extraction you can go into oceanography right or you can go into the environmental aspect of it and I love the environmental aspect of it okay uh, I saw a need for it it was where my heart was uh, and it allowed me to do a lot of solo uh, be my own you know smaller and sometimes larger right so we started working together and uh, just to give you an idea of what he expected and how cocky I was I guess um, if you've gone through university if you've gone through high school any type of centralized formal education you'll know that uh, in general the lower level you are uh, the major you know a lot of the courses you take they're they're not really relevant They try to give you a broad point of view of. uh, Look at this one, nice. You know, they try to give you a really broad view of broad education, right? Like high school, graduating from high school, they're just trying to indoctrinate, program people into uh, fitting some kind of mold. Uh, When you get your bachelor's uh, from university, you're sort of you know expanding on that and focusing on some kind of field and applying things that you know you've learned or you've been trained to do right when you go into master's you're sort of uh, on the cusp of sort of new ideas and uh, doing field work and trying to own something right trying to fully understand something and when you're getting your phd you're basically contributing new ideas and new ideas happen in the master's level and bachelor's level as well but that's me you know the main focus with phd you're introducing a new concept a new perspective into a certain field right so for bachelor's you know which i got is sort of going in there using what you know right and you know i learned uh, certain things coming out of university uh, and geophysics for um, the wind is picking up hopefully the microphone is not uh, creating a lot of wind noise but um, for geophysics for those of you who don't know um, or for those of you who are in it you can basically break it down into uh, sort of a stepwise system you uh, especially the environmental aspect of it, but you can also focus this on geotechnical or any other geophysics or any other field. Really, um, basically in geophysics, what the steps are: you sort of um, work on proposals if you're higher level up in in the system, right? That you can write proposals. So, you know, you write proposals, um, you give presentations, uh, you go collect data, you process data. Uh, you analyze the data and you present reports to your clients, right? And I've sort of done, I was been, I've been lucky enough, I was in it long enough to go through all those phases where I would write proposals for projects, uh, talk to the clients, get the projects, go into the field, collect the data, come back, process the data, analyze the data, present the data, write the reports, and uh, talk to the clients if need be, give presentations or whatnot. Um, so that was very cool going through the whole stream. But at the beginning, when I started working, uh, I wasn't doing that, right? Uh, proposals I wasn't involved in, uh, because it takes a while to start writing proposals because you have to know every aspect of, uh, of the work involved. So I was sort of uh, involved, you know, involved in uh, initially learning how to collect data. Uh, at university, I learned and I'm pretty meticulous with my work. so. I collect good data and I like data so I analyze good data so those two areas I was not bad in I still needed fine-tuning a little bit uh, especially knowing how to function in the field because it's really important to know uh, what the dos and don'ts are in the field because if you do the wrong thing in the field uh, you might not come out of there right Uh, like construction sites or the wild the bush uh, industries uh, factories there's a lot of activity in those areas uh, there's a lot of dangers in those areas and i've known people who've died in the field right uh, in in the company we knew people uh, two people uh, one for sure i think i'm pretty sure there were two uh, that uh, the person made the wrong step just wrong turn and uh, he got run over by uh, uh, by dump truck, okay? So uh, you have to know what you're doing. So the first thing you need to learn as a geophysicist, really, the first thing you need to learn uh, is how to live through the learning process long enough uh, to become a good geophysicist, right? So really pay attention to the safety concerns Of wherever you're going to wherever the field may be if it's nature uh, make sure you take the nature training programs make sure you you listen to the people telling you what to do where to go where not to go um, how to deal with wildlife if you're working in industry uh, in brine pits uh, near brine pits or landfills or construction sites uh, make sure you pay attention and you got your You know, you're listening, you're watching, you're careful, okay. Uh, I learned that fast because uh, when I was growing up in high school, it was around construction. So for me, it came naturally. Uh, You know, I've worked in, uh, just through family, I've worked uh, in construction sites since I was 13 probably. So it sort of became innate for me. Uh, Collecting data I always liked because... uh, With geophysics, what you end up doing is, you use computers, uh, technology, to basically probe into the earth, uh, or into space, okay? Uh, Or the atmosphere, and try to um, figure out what's going on. And that always interested me, right? So I, I was good with technology, and I was good with instruments, so I could collect good data, and I was very patient. You have to be patient to be able to collect good data. Um, so those two areas, I learned quickly how to do. I wasn't involved initially in writing reports, so you know we would go out to a field, and he showed me how he, you know, he took me under his wing again, my mentor, and he showed me how to, how he wanted grids laid out, how he wanted data collected, what do's and don'ts were, um, and within weeks I was going out on myself and setting stuff up and collecting data and bringing everything back. Uh, and I'll you know if you want to know about data actually we, we did do one uh, one video of uh, how I showed you I collect data with uh, when we're setting up the uh, 10 by 10 grid right uh, so if you want to know um, how environmental geophysicists uh, almost all environmental geophysicists have come across uh, unless you're running with the GPS system and at the time, in the late 1980s or early 1990s, this would have been early 1990s. You don't want to collect so many. You don't want to carry so many instruments, right? It's just extra instruments you're carrying, and they add. Uh, if you're using electromagnetic magnetic magnetic methods, they add, you know, more noise factor stuff. So uh, you weren't really using geophysics. Uh, you weren't using you usually using GPS systems uh, when you're collecting data uh, with a grid you set up a grid but in that video I sort of show how I set up most of my grids in the field Uh, like 99% of the grids I set up in the field using triangulation or not triangulation but Pythagorean theorem really right Um, so basically um, you know I would go to the field collect data and then bring them back process data and uh, using different types of software and sometimes uh, right now the software runs pretty fast back then you have to you know if you're doing creating uh, you know you're trying to contour data and stuff like this you're running the stuff with batch files uh, over the weekend right you set up your batch files you work on it during the week you set up your uh, batch files for friday and press the enter button and hopefully it runs properly and gives you the output uh, you have the output monday morning sometimes you go and uh, into the office on the weekends make sure the batch files running well and stuff like this right um, so there's a lot of things you need to take care of okay and I'm really digressing I'm going off on tangents all over the place and if you're um, you're studying geophysics hopefully you appreciate what I'm you know all the tangents I'm going down um, but one of the places that really really uh, I got schooled in uh, that I needed reprogramming and education and uh, was writing reports Uh, after a few few weeks uh, my boss uh, my mentor asked me to uh, write the final report for this project we had done a very small report it was like a three thousand dollar project or something one one day uh, field work uh, doing electromagnetic methods EM Uh, to collect uh, data on a grid and analyze it and find buried drums, right? Simple. During the early 1990s where, uh, you know, there's a lot of gas stations, early 1990s, mid 1990s and picked up a lot later on where a lot of places, gas stations or old construction sites, houses, um, they were trying to remove uh, what do you call that? Uh, gas tanks and stuff, right? That were buried from decades ago because they were leaking or whatnot. So he asked me to write this report. And I wrote the reports I was cocky. I thought I was doing well. You know, uh, I went and collected data one day. I came back, processed the data the next day, um, and one day or two days, and uh, you know, created AutoCAD drawings and contour maps running different software and you know ended up writing the report and gave him the report Um, and I was sitting on my computer in my little cubicle you know doing other work processing other data probably or something right and within half an hour or an hour uh, my boss came and stood at my cubicle and uh, (laughs) <laughs> my cubicle I'd always sit in one thing and he took my report and plopped it down on the desk and said Chicho what the hell is this <laughs> I looked at him and I sort of went oh, what and he goes what the hell is this so I picked it up and started flipping through it and at university, I had never gotten anything back that had so many red marks on it. Okay, and uh, <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was just red marks and arrows. And and he looked at me. He's, and I looked, you know, looked at the same way. All of a sudden, my ego dropped like went off a cliff. Right, and he looked at me. He said, "Look." This is not academics. You're not here trying to use fancy words and stuff to say something that could be said in three words. You're not going to write a paragraph to say this, whatever it is you're trying to say, or a whole page, where you can say it in a single sentence, right? Our clients are not looking for fictional story, right? they're not looking for fluffy words they're looking to find out what's going on with their investments right and he said basically look at start reading the reports that he had done over the years right since he started this project over the last year I guess or six months or eight months and copy those use a lot of cut and paste and put in the appropriate information and you know write the few paragraphs that need to be written and condense it basically get rid of like 80% of what I had written right so that was one aspect of working as a geophysicist that I learned quickly which is if you're working as a geophysicist you're not there to write essays you're there to take the data you've collected to take the situation what you understand of the field and of the situation analyze the data process the data process the data collect the data process the data analyze the data and present the data using as few steps as possible to get as much of the idea as you can across okay. and that was sort of the beginning of my experience as a geophysicist and i did this for a number of years Uh, and i did uh, you know i remember uh, when uh, you know i got the i got the job and initially usually most companies you go to uh, large companies you go to uh, you're basically on a uh, three-month three-month probation period so after my three-month probation period, where you know I was fitting in, uh, I was liking what I was doing. Uh, my bosses and my boss and my other bosses, office manager and stuff like this, people that ended up working with, they liked me. I fit into the group atmosphere, and this this was a satellite um, office that this multinational conglomerate. Uh, had So, um, you know, it was a small office and I was really lucky starting off there because I learned a lot from everyone I work with. And uh, basically after the three months probation period, they came up to me and said, okay, uh, you know, I could order my own business cards because up to that point, I was using generic business cards, geophysicist and my name wasn't on there. I was handing them my boss's card, right? Getting them. You know, getting those people to contact us through my boss because he was the filter. Um, okay, so they, you know, they asked me what I wanted on my card, and you know, I gave them my name obviously, and as the title, I wanted environmental geophysicist. And I remember the first time I said this, um, environmental geophysicist. My my boss, my mentor, turned to me and said, "Listen, that's really restricts you, right?" Uh, if you say geophysics you can do anything right people understand that you're a geophysicist Uh, you know you could do oil you could do exploration resource uh, you could do anything you want to do environmental geophysicist you're mainly going to be focused as an environmental geophysicist and i told them that's exactly what i want and as far as i know right i don't i don't know this is 100 percent true or not uh, but i didn't know anyone else that i come across any other geophysicists that i come across and it's a pretty closed community there weren't you know there weren't too many geophysicists at the time uh, when i was doing this uh, th- th- there's a fair bit i guess if you can look at it as such a niche market um, but overall as you know compared to several engineers Electrical engineers um, You know mathematicians if, if you compare it there. There's very few people like uh, numbers wise That go, you know Have geophysics as their title geophysicists as their, as their title and I never come came across anyone with this um, But I was the only one that I know of at the time that had environmental geophysicists Written on their business cards which I thought was awesome. I liked it. I loved it actually Okay so I started working as an environmental geophysicist and doing that, um, I specialize in electromagnetic and magnetic methods. Uh, my bachelor's thesis was, um, the title was using Euler's uh, equations, Euler deconvolution to pinpoint the depth of magnetic anomalies in the ground, okay? Uh, specifically um, environmental, Barrels, pipes, uh, buried metal, because it was a test site that we had at the university where um, I was able to go on there and collect uh, EM and mag data uh, over a dense, dense grid. It was a small grid. It was I can't remember how you know how big it was. Maybe 100 by 50 or 200 by 100 grid, where they had buried pipes and barrels and metallic object metallic sheets and stuff like this and uh, because that's a lot you know in environmental geophysics one of the things we end up doing is trying to find buried drums or map uh, contaminated plumes uh, or find leaks in the ground usually near surface right Um, for environmental you go maybe with radar and seismics have gone a lot deeper you know you go into the tens um, I can't remember how deep I went uh, it was less than 100 meters um, you know we did some seismic work where we're trying to more geotechnical involved we're we're trying to do geophysics um, for building brine ponds um, you know some of the work I did was geotechnical right uh, uh the dams around lakes that they were building um, they were gonna dump tailings right so some of that stuff was deeper down uh, and i did a lot of radar uh, associated with that uh, and uh, uh, some seismic right and some electromagnetics as well and uh, uh, less so mag and gravity but basically my bachelor's thesis was uh, collecting data on a very dense grid um, and I was collecting data every half a meter by half a meter of mag and uh, EM data uh, trying to find these anomalies you know uh, pinpoint them and specifically using a new program that had come up through a company I worked with uh, the work I did was um, with. Uh, one of the larger companies the software companies uh, that was also producing equipment uh, that they were uh, it was a new module for a program for um, uh, uh, what do you call it uh, creating contours uh, creating grading program that they had uh, to create maps and to process data and stuff like this so it was really cool with doing that I've got involved with a lot of different people Um, and it was really awesome you know once we got I got into the field to have environmental geophysicists uh, on my business cars and I really loved it Um, and I ended up doing a lot of environmental geophysics uh, traveling all over the place a lot of places by myself um, into the bush into the field uh, working from all temperatures from uh, in Canada minus 30 degrees plus with the windshield to, in Canada, plus 30 degrees with, uh, with the heat and the humidity, right? So extreme temperatures, uh, but amazing, amazing. Gives you a lot of time as a geophysicist, uh, if you're doing this type of work, to really meditate, to think, um, because it's, a lot of it is very, very uh, once you start doing it, it, it's, I guess it's the word, the methodical, you really think about what you're going to do, Uh, You lay down the grid and it's very um, Routine really you just have to make sure you're doing the mathematics properly and uh, It's pretty straightforward And once you set up the grids uh, You know you collect your data and collecting data is You know not the most exciting thing to do especially when it comes to EM and mag methods, but you get to put on a lot of miles. I walked a lot and It's very routine where you take a few steps, you collect data, take a few steps, you collect data, or one or two steps, you collect data, press a button, uh, look at your data, and once you start doing that, it sort of becomes hypnotic, right? And you let your mind wander, you think about different things, maybe music, art, politics, economics, and you have the opportunity to grow as a human being. That's the way I looked at it, and that's the way I treated it. Um, And it was amazing, I liked it, and it kept me in shape and that's one thing you need to be as a geophysicist if you're going to the field uh, one of the safety factors and one of the health factors you have to be in shape Uh, you're going to be working with a lot of equipment Uh, uh, some heavy where uh like this some heavy right Uh, that you have to lug around and it's amazing experience keeps you in shape um, and it was a lot of fun I saw a lot one of my uh, one of my most amazing experiences um, occurred in uh, Labrador Newfoundland uh, uh, near Nain. Uh and it's northern Canada and it's uh, it's amazing crazy terrain crazy terrain you you know I'm in I live I grew up in the west coast of British Columbia and it's a rainforest and you get gigantic trees here like really huge trees right I've seen the Redfoot forest in in California and uh, I'm used to old trees being very very large very very big Um, but in um, in Labrador right when I went to You would see trees that were as high as you were like six feet tall that were like 300 years old because the growing season was so short that this is all they grew so their their rings around these trees were really really thin and they were extremely old and very sparse they didn't look lush right the terrain is oh wow like I, f- I forget my geological terms. Uh, like pre-Cambrian basalt. It's it's just rough rock cliffs, like amazing. With you know, there's metamorphic. Most of it, a lot of it, metamorphic, right? A lot of it igneous. Uh, a lot of the metamorphic rocks you see. Set- it's sedimentary rocks that are layered that got distorted, and you see, you know, basically if you want to think about in mathematical terms you see parabolas and curves and polynomials right Um, I forget all the terminology the geological formations that you get right but they're amazing and when you collect uh, specifically you know at this place where I was in it was the most amazing experiences like I was doing a a radar there and it was penetrating really deep uh, into the ground and we see the formations, the rock formations, the curves, the parabolas, the, basically the polynomial equations in the bedrock, right? It was amazing, it was amazing. Um, so the data, the data part, the collecting data part was fantastic and analyzing this data and presenting this data. But one of the most amazing aspects of it was the terrain that I got exposed to and, and, uh, the nature I got exposed to okay one of the things that we did uh, we're at this uh, and uh, I don't know if the if the mine is still going at the time it was the largest uh, nickel mine in the world it was gonna produce like 80% of the world's nickel I believe uh, and it was basically a huge uh, camp where people from all walks of life went there to uh do their work right there were a lot of uh, you know geophysics were two i was one person there i was sent there with two different people Uh, uh, sort of uh, people that were in the co-op that were doing a term and you know one person that was new that was newly hired that i had as helpers basically helping me to do radar there and then there's a lot of miners, there's a lot of people doing uh, geotechnical work, there's a lot of geologists, there's a lot of everything, right? Uh, the geophysics group, we were one of the smaller ones. And uh, we got placed on, a, on an icebreaker. Now, we were there towards the end of August. Uh, so we were living off the icebreak. Uh, uh, we were stationed in a bay, which uh, there was no ice around. Right, all the ice had gone, but in the winter time, would get iced over, and the that's why they needed an icebreaker there, right? Because you couldn't be there otherwise. So, I was there in uh, late August, or early September, and during that time in that area, um, uh, you get black flies, you get mosquitoes in northern Canada. Wow, wow, wow! Uh, the bugs are incredible, right? The <laughs> the black flies you know what's the saying they carry horses away or something like this like there were days where we'd going to areas where there was a lot of black flies and mosquitoes and we would wear mosquito netting and you would you know you'd be wearing gloves right you have you have uh, you know you have your field equipment you wear gloves you wear mosquito netting and you put duct tape around your wrists where the gloves meet your suit and your ankles and stuff at the end of the day when you go back to the icebreaker wherever you are uh, you take your stuff off and black flies have gone through the duct tape and you have a ring around your wrist of black flies biting you right that's how insanely large these black flies are and how aggressive they are right so it's incredible and there were some days were like that and wow it was hard work definitely hard work there's some days we're there with t-shirts and uh, you know collecting data and stuff and one of the one of the you know there's a few images few periods few days that have stuck with me uh, from that trip that I did Uh, but one of them was an evening where you know and we would get flown out flown out, and I guess I should mention this Uh, in the mornings because we were on an icebreaker um, we were being dropped off in areas with a helicopter so you know in the evening you have meetings with the different group leaders and because you know I was the geophysics rep there the I guess the highest level person there collecting the data and stuff like this I would attend these meetings with the different groups different factions that were getting flown off the ship at different times so everybody would get assigned uh, a time when the helicopter was uh, you know you would have to be on the helicopter and the helicopter would take you and drop you off somewhere and come back and take someone else from another different company to a different location right so you know we'd get assigned helicopter times and in the morning sometimes you know we get assigned usually they ask you what time you want to be there and in the summertime when you're doing geophysics you're usually the one of the first ones in one of the last ones out you're staying in there as long as you got daylight right so we get flown out at like 5 a.m. or something like this whenever you know one of the earliest people uh, the helicopters would drop off right so the helicopter lands on the icebreaker uh, you know we load our stuff on to the helicopter tie it up uh, hop onto the helicopter and then the helicopter will fly off and it's amazing looking at the terrain from that high up uh into the shields the canadian shields and stuff oh my wow 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 right so and then you know we get dropped off somewhere and you know some of the places we were getting dropped off they were on slants and they weren't clearings so (laughs) a couple of times the helicopter would you know fly into a place and land one side one of its You know the helicopters have legs like this right the long I I don't know what they call them but they would land one side on a slope right and they're hovering the rest of the time and we would have to throw everything all of our equipment off to the ledge of the slope right and then jump off and when we jumped off they told us this right off the bat uh, you know when you jump off lay down on the ground right? And when the helicopter takes off and it's clear, you can stand up again. Because if you're on a slope and the helicopter's hovering, you throw your equipment on there. If you stand up, when the helicopter's taken off or during its hovering process, when it's got sort of a little, at least one little ledge on the ground, where it's a little bit more stable, if the helicopter does, you know, loses its balance, right? Twist, it's gonna take off your head. So yeah, that's why you have to lay down the ground, right? Um, I'm assuming this has happened before uh, it didn't happen with us uh, but it was something that we were definitely aware of and as soon as you know we get dropped off we lay down the ground helicopter were clear and you know we go about our business right and then you come back later in the evening and uh, it's good timing here we're getting towards the end end of this right and this is how much we've gotten so far they like So we're gonna make a liqueur out of this. Nice, eh? Um, So this last little story, my greatest, one of my greatest memories of being a geophysicist uh, is coming back from one of these days, one of, you know, fields collecting radar data for 12, 14 hours, right? Coming back, and at the end of the day, when you come back, when you're doing geophysics, you're transferring your data, you're backing up your data. So the people that were helping me out to do this, um, they would eat and go to sleep. They were drained, they were exhausted. I'd been doing this for a while. So I was, you know, when I go to the field or when geophysicists uh, go to the field, if if you're doing this hardcore, you're in there, you're focused, you're doing the job, you're getting out as fast as you can, right? Um, So I would, you know, set the equipment to be processed and there was a little bit of, or transferred over, right? And there was a little bit of timeline while the computer does its thing where you have some downtime right and when I was doing this uh, we had heard that there was going to be a full lunar eclipse that night okay so um, it was a dry camp unfortunately so I didn't have any liqueurs or cognac or drinks with me but I went up to the top of the icebreaker right where we could go to uh, I had Cuban cigars with me at the time I smoked a lot of Cuban cigars I traveled to Cuba and came come back with Cuban cigars and stuff right so I went to the top of an icebreaker at like one o'clock in the morning right helicopters probably picking us up at like 5 36 o'clock in the morning so 1 o'clock in the morning on top of an icebreaker clear skies you can see stars galore watching a full lunar eclipse start all the way through at the same time getting spiral aurora borealis with different covers the colors predominantly it was greenish bluish right smoking a Cuban cigar on top of an icebreaker in a bay in Labrador right and the Cuban cigar I had was a large one. It was a Hoyo de Monterrey double Corona. I know this because at the time I was smoking Hoyo de Monterrey double Corona's a lot of them. I got my hands on on uh, a lot of Hoyo de Monterrey's. When I went to Cuba, I brought back, you're only allowed to bring back two boxes um, to Canada. When you travel somewhere, that's 50 cigars you can bring back. I came back with 12, 12 boxes of Hoyo de Monterrey double Corona's, bought in the official cigar stores at the time and they were chief at the time they were like each box was eighty dollars right 25 hoyo Monterey double coronas for eighty dollars and i came back with 12 boxes of those right so i had i was smoking a lot of hoyo Monterey double coronas right that's one of my most amazing experiences as a geophysicist that trip that i went there and we were there for two weeks two and a half weeks uh, uh, and I had you know I was given longer to do it, but there was a certain budget when you're doing this type of work you got to stay pretty tight within your budget and I stayed well below my budget and everybody was happy and we were in and out and there was a lot of other things involved with that project and you know uh, i'll do more updates on geophysics i'll tell you more stories about some of the geophysics experiences I've had running into pairs and seeing grizzlies and some of the environmental work that I did and some of the things I came across, the good and the bad, right? But that's sort of, I guess, sort of the introduction to um, what it was like being a geophysicist. Some of the experiences where I came from, how I got into it, uh, what some of the processes involved in. And one of my most memorable, memorable memories, right? One o'clock in the morning in Labrador. On an icebreaker in a bay and clear skies, watching a full lunar eclipse with spiral borealis, borealis smoking a Cuban cigar that I had brought back recently from Cuba, right? There wasn't really too much missing. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, a nice, nice uh, drink. It was amazing. I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye for now.